So power and compassion, with everything that's going on and, and happening today, uh, with the um, the killings and the shootings, and and so a lot of people are not compassionate today. It's a lot of hate and a lot of anger that's going on. And so people have just thrown out compassion because they feel there's no power in it. And they feel like, you know, I need to voice myself. I need to voice what's happening. And it's okay to voice what's happening. But voice it in a way, with the way that Christ would allow you to voice it. Because people are going to continue to hurt and people are going to continue to have anger in their heart. The question is, how are we going to use compassion and and use the power in compassion to dissolve the situation that's happening. And you know what? It's, we're not going to solve every problem. God knows that this world is going down. Amen? Amen. We have to do our best to bring people out of the world. And we can't bring people out of the world if we hold hate and anger in our heart. All right? We have to show people that, yeah, this world is messed up. People are killing each other. Uh, um, yeah, it's wrong. But listen, let me tell you about somebody I know. I need to pull you out of this mess so you can think logically how to get out of this world. Amen? Because you wanted to be angry and being frustrated and wanting to fight and wanting to be angry. You can do that if you want to. But that's the wrong road. Amen? You might be mad at the cops and they might pull you over. You, you better hope you have a transformed mind. Amen? Because they're not going to care about your anger. All right? And so that's how many times we, we might get ourselves in trouble because of the anger and the hate. And so uh, we have to be careful and say, Lord God, please give me the right mind and give me the right focus. So I can be, uh, uh, show me an example of who you are. Amen. Um, I know a lot of people, uh, I've seen a lot of different things that's out there. I see some people, um, you know, they're, they're fearful. You know, they're fearful. And, um, and 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 so there's certain things that you know they said they want to start doing. You know, they get pulled over. They're gonna make sure their hands is up on off the steering wheel. They're gonna make sure one person said he's gonna have his license plates on his chest, his license on his chest. Is he gonna stick it there? And yeah, I, who knows? Amen. I don't know. But we just have to make sure that we're not holding hatred and anger in our hearts. Amen. So power and compassion. Let's go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Let's go to the next slide. There, you go. there it is. 2 Timothy chapter chapter I think it's the first chapter. Verse 3. I think it's chapter 1. No, it's chapter 3. Verse 3. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 3. And it says, but know this, that in the last days Perilous times will come. Are we in perilous times? Yes. For men will be lovers of themselves. We see that. Lovers of money. Do you see that? Oh man, people will drop somebody for a dollar. Amen. Bolsters. Do we see that? Proud. Oh, we see that. Amen. People walking with their head hell high, can't look, can't help nobody, can't do nothing for nobody. I'm better than you. Amen. Blasphemers, disobedient to do we see the disobedience of parents? Yes. Oh, can I get an amen? amen. Disobedient to parents. Amen. We see that. This is perilous times. Kids, kids not listening no more. That you know the, 
The, the whole system is set up. Even, even the doctor said, you know what is between us? The doctor will even tell you, you don't have to tell your parents nothing. You just tell us everything. You don't have to tell them so they can counsel you and tell you what's right. No, we'll help you do what you want to do. Amen? Disobedient to parents, unthankful. Man, you, you complaining and, and you got a house. You complaining and you, you, can, you can go down the street and get you some chips. You complaining and you can and you can jump in a car and, and drive down the street. Amen. Unthankful. You got clothes in your drawer. Unthankful. Man, there's people that's hurting. And we unthankful. Amen. Unthankful. Unholy. Parents times. People, people ain't living right. Unloving. There's no love in the air. We see that right now. Amen. Unforgiving. I can't forgive nobody. I'ma hold on to this hate. Slanders. Without self-control, if people know self-control, they're going to take matters into their own hands. We're going to make this happen. We're going to do this. Amen. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of uh, their own selfish pleasures rather than lovers of God. All right? That's cut off right there. So what it says is lovers, uh, lovers of pleasure than, rather than lovers of God. And that means people... They want to do what they want to do. You know what I'm saying? You got your own fleshly desires and things that you want to do and things you want to hold on to. And, and so you want to please yourself instead of pleasing God. All right? And so there's people out there like that. They don't want to, they don't want to please God. They want to please their body. Amen? What makes me feel good? Everybody's about the feel good feeling. All right? Number five, verse five says, having a form of God. Oh, this is good right here. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, the Bible is telling us to turn away. So all of these things, these traits and everything that is telling us about the perilous times, these, what, what, Tim, what Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying they have a form of godliness that a lot of these people in these perilous times, they have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power. Meaning that they look holy and they say they're holy, but they're denying the power. Meaning that they look holy, but they may be lovers of money. Meaning that they look holy, but they may be disobedient to parents. They may look holy, but they're unthankful. They may look holy, but they're unloving, they're unforgiving, they're, they have no self-control, they're brutal, they're haughty. They may look holy, but all of this stuff is in their life. We can look holy and still have this stuff inside. But no matter how hard you try to cover mess, it's going to smell. Amen. Put a, put, try to put a suit on your garbage. And dress it up. Make it look good. That garbage still going to stink. Amen. No matter how you can have try to have a form of godliness, that stuff gonna seep out. Amen. Because you're denying the power to get rid of the mess in our life. No matter how much air freshener you use, oh, we can have some air freshener, can't we? And spray it real heavy. 
and you still know somebody's been in there. Amen? It don't matter. You can try to cover it up. But until it really, really filters out, it's going to be there. <laughs> Amen? You can use the Living Fresh garbage bags. I mean, those buy the Living Fresh garbage bags. Try to cover up the bump and the mess. But if you leave it in your house long enough, Bag's gonna break, amen. Stuff's gonna come out. You can't have a form of godliness and deny the power to change amen. and to be better. You can't keep and hold on to garbage and mess. You gotta make sure that stuff is fleshed out. You gotta make sure it's gone. You gotta make sure the garbage truck take it to the dump. Get it out of here. I don't want it, amen. How upsetting it is. <laughs> when the garbage man missed a day. Man! I know it was, a, it was Monday, the 4th of July week. You know how they got to skip that one day? Weren't they supposed to come today? Man! I got all this garbage. I need them to come. Boy, just think of the garbage man stopped for like two weeks, three weeks. Jesus. Amen? I remember my son forgot to take out the garbage one Friday. Boy. I said, man, we in trouble this week. Forget to take out the garbage and we pile the garbage. Then, then if you leave the garbage on the floor, in the garage floor, then what you gonna get? Critters, mice, amen? So it's a mess, you gotta get the garbage out. Amen? Amen, can't cover it up. People can end up like this because their whole salvation was based upon a service making them feel good. Alright, you come to a service and you accept Christ in the service that felt good and you first got saved, woo, man, you threw out all your CDs and you did it and you, and you was living right and, and you was praising God and because it felt so good, but guess what, you didn't apply it. You didn't keep applying and continue in the word of God because the feel good service may only last for maybe a month, if that. The feel-good service, the feel-good feeling, the genuine feeling that you feel. Oh, His presence, yes! But you don't feel like that all the time. And if you base it upon just the feeling, you know, people, man, people will go and like, man, what happened to God, where are you? Oh, Jesus, I don't feel it. I don't feel it no more. And so they, they go nuts. Amen? And so because they don't feel that feeling anymore, they go back out to the world. Because they don't feel that feeling, instead of applying and believing it, see, there's a difference about just feeling this thing. Once you feel it, you got to apply what God has given you and believe it. Use it. Can't you use the power? Use it. What good is we energies if I don't use the power? What good is it if they hook everything up and I don't turn on the light switch and I don't apply it? I got a house full of power and I don't use it. I'm, I'm going to have some issues. Huh? It's nighttime just running into walls and stuff. Not cooking. I can't try to... Try, what, what if I got all this power and I'm trying to start a fire on my kitchen floor trying to cook something? tree log and gasoline and I'm trying to 
start a fire because I'm not using the power that I have. You're going to have a mess. Amen? So let's go to the next slide. If we want true change, the greatest commandment, let's look at the greatest commandment. If we want true change in us and those around us, we need power. If you want true change in your life, if you want to get rid of the hatred in your life, if you want true change and say, I'm tired of myself. Some of us been there, man. Like, man, I'm tired of myself. I'm tired of this. I want a true change. I want to be different. I want, I, I, I want to look at life differently. I'm tired of the way I'm going. I see I'm going down the wrong road. It's affecting people around me. When you don't have the true power of change, it's going to affect those around you, and people don't even want to be around you. But when you desire true change, yes, it's going to change you and change your situation around you. You're going to be nicer to your parents. Amen? You're going to be sweeter to your teachers. You're going to be nicer with your co-workers, with your family members. That you know, All of us have those family members. Amen? That you need to pour extra sweet sauce on it. Amen? On your words that you say. Praise God. I know people with my family this weekend. I know family came around. Now some of us dealt with family. Amen. We had to deal with it. And we had to show the power of compassion and love. So the greatest commandment, if we want true change in us and those around us, we need power. And that comes from following the greatest commandment. The world is trying to command things in our life to secure a position. Now, I want you to let you know today is that the world, the enemy is trying to command things in your life. Why? Because he's trying to secure a position in your life. Some of us been through some horrific things in our life because the enemy has came in and people have followed the orders of the enemy. Some of us have been in relationships and the enemy has been putting out orders within the husband, putting out orders into the wife and whispering those things within the ear and therefore they have followed those orders and now you have chaos in the home. Some of us have been commanded and the father is in the home and has been commanded to leave the home and been commanded to do his own thing and guess what? They listen to those orders. Man, she look good over there, man. She look better than your wife. Oh, man, she look better than the one you're about to be with. Oh, man, she look better. Oh, man, you don't have, man, you don't have time for these kids. Guess what? It's your choice to listen to the command or order. The question is, will you listen to the command of the enemy? Or will you listen to the greatest commandment? See, there's a lot of commandments going There's a lot of commanding going on with this whole hatred thing in, in, in our society today. And you have a choice today to listen to a command from the enemy or you have a choice to listen to the command from Jesus Christ. The enemy wants to tell you the whole hatred, man. Be angry. Be frustrated. Man, kick down the doors. Shoot. Kill. Whatever. So he's giving out commands and he's trying to secure a position in your life. Trying to get you to hold on to those things in your life so he can secure his position so therefore he has full access to tell you what he needs to tell you so you can do what he wants you to do he wants to be your general he wants you to be your commander in chief 
He wants to be your controller. Amen? Everybody think they have, some people think, well, man, I got a demon in me. I can't stop it. But they are just following the commands of the enemy. Because they gave him position to take control. I got a demon in me. Pray for me. But, you, but bro, you ain't doing it now. Right. You ain't acting crazy and spitting up stuff now. If you had, if something was controlled, you'd be doing it right now. That means on your job, you'd be acting nutty. Right. You go on your job and act right. right. That's you want to listen to the command. Right. That's you want to choose that and listen to it and follow it. That's you. All you have to do is stand up and say, no, I'm not going to follow that command today. Or ever, because I want to be changed. And the only way that can happen is that if you have the power of Jesus Christ in your life to give you the power to say, no, I want to do better. I want to live right. I can't stop. I can't stop fornicating. I can't stop committing adultery. You ain't doing it now. If you couldn't stop, you'd be doing it right now. Sister, amen. You have the power to say no. But when we begin to follow a divine command, a command from the ruler over everything, the other commands have to bow down because his word is powerful. So when you begin to, when those things begin to rise up, when those fleshly desires begin to rise up inside of you, you need to step forward and command those things that I'm not going to allow myself to follow that anymore. I'm following my God, my Savior. You need to begin to speak life on yourself. That's not who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower. Say it out of your mouth and then watch those desires begin to. I've been there. I've been there. When I begin to speak to myself and the freshly desires begin to they begin to bow down because I chose to speak life. I chose to encourage myself. Take control of the power that's in you. Turn on the switch. And the reason why we have this power because God followed one of his greatest commandments. Let's go to the next slide in Matthew. Let's find out what this commandment is. Matthew 22, verse 35. It says, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. So they, they got Jesus strapped up in the corner. And see, see, this happened after Jesus already put the Sadducees in their place. Yes, All right? The Sadducees tried to trip Jesus up. Jesus like, no, you can't trip me up. I'm smarter than you. I know. I am God. Wait a minute. I'm God. That's why you can't trip me up. Amen? So the Pharisees are like, okay, we got this. Pharisees come up and they try to challenge Jesus. And so they try to trip him up. And then it says, then one of them, a lawyer, oh, you know a lawyer, he's smart, right? Asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Meaning that if he choose any of these commandments to say is the greatest law, then they have a way to trick him up, right? And so Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all your what? With all your what? And with all your what? 
the first and great commandment. Because listen, if you do that, everything is going to fall in place. Because if you love God with everything you've got, with all of your soul, with all of your heart, have a transformed mind, say, God, change me. I want to follow you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give myself as a living sacrifice. I want to give myself away to you, Jesus. Guess what? Everything is going to fall in place. Because that's your master. That's who you're going to follow. You're going to listen to that command because he's the one that's feeding your heart. He's the one that's feeding your soul. He's the one that's feeding your mind. So yes, that is the greatest commandment of them all. When you love him, it's more than just a feeling. Because you might not feel a spiritual high all the time. You won't. You won't feel it all the time. It's I have given myself away. I don't want to hurt God. I want to honor him. I want to adore him. I don't want to hurt my Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. I don't want to hurt my Savior who sacrificed and paid the price where I can come freely into his gate, into his presence. I don't want to hurt my God, my Father, who loved me enough to come down to save me when I didn't want to be saved. Who came down to save me when I turned my back on him. Who came down to save me when I didn't want to have nothing to do with him. Who came down to still love me when I should have been dead. There's stuff I'm doing I should have been dead. Should have been dead. But Jesus loves me. And he cared for me. It's just like in marriage. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to feel that googly feeling all the time. Right? Amen. Amen. In marriage, you're not going to feel that googly feeling you felt when you first got married. You're not. But it becomes more than just a googly feeling. Amen. It becomes more than just a little bitty feeling. Oh, man. So, so when, you, when you first, boy, you put it on. Amen. You did everything nice. You did everything right. You did everything love. But that's, that might not happen all the time. Love says, I'm going to love you beyond the beyond, amen? I'm going to love you when the household, maybe it seems kind of crazy right now, but our love is going to stand because we are in this together and we're going to make this thing work. I love God and he loves me, but that don't mean that I'm going to feel the googly feeling all the time. But I know one thing, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. See, the thing is that in the, even within a marriage, you know that you might have your ups and your downs, but you know one thing, that y'all going to fight this thing together. That's what true love is. And we're going to make this thing work together. That I'm not, I'm not going to stay in feud with you, but I, I want to make things work together. I want, I want us to grow together. And that's what Jesus wants to do in our life. He wants to grow in our life. Amen? Amen. And it goes further. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, this is the first and great commandment. And he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, these two commandments, hang all the law. Just hang it all up. And guess what? Hang, hang the law up and all the prophets too. Hanging all up on those two commandments. You can just shut it down. Because when you love me with everything and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're showing who I am. You're showing power. And I'm going to show you how this is power. 
But he added that the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? See, the Pharisees had asked him which single command of God is the greatest. But Jesus provided two. Stating not only what you are to do. All right? Now listen to this carefully. He's not quoting. He didn't quote just what you are to do. But also how to do it. Amen? He didn't say, he didn't just stop there on what you are to do. But guess what? Jesus will tell you how to do it. You want to love me with all your heart, your soul, and mind? Then love your neighbor better than you love yourself. Let me show you how to obey that first commandment. Begin to love those that hate you. Begin to love your enemies. Begin to love those that you're going to obey. My, that's how you're going to follow that first commandment. I'm going to show you how to do it. Not only did he show us how to do it, but he expressed it in his life because his enemies hated him to a point of death. And he said, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. To love your neighbor as yourself is the natural result of our loving devotion toward God. When you love your neighbor, you love God. When you love your enemies, you love God. You're showing and you're showing him that, that he has your mind, that he has your soul, that he has your heart, that you're not holding things, that you're not, you're not just the lovers of money, that you're not just doing things on your own self, but you love God so much that you're loving those that mistreat you. Through this we find power. It is this very action of compassion, applying love for others, we experience the power of Jesus Christ. Now let me show you. You might say, how is this power? Well, Jesus showed us how this is power. Let's go to the next slide. In John 11, 33 and 35, when Jesus saw his friends weeping at the grave of Lazarus, he felt compassion for them and wept alongside them. He saw and he expressed love and he saw and he cried with them. And after he cried and had compassion with them, what happened to Lazarus? That compassion and that desire to see his friend raised from the dead, God healed him and raised him from the grave. There is power in compassion. In Matthew 14 and 14, he moved with compassion for the suffering, for the suffering of those that were uh, uh, around him. He saw a large crowd. There was a suffering of others. Jesus healed the large crowds who came to him. As well as individuals who sought his healing in Mark 1 and 40 and 41. All they had to deal with, the power of healing, the power came through compassion. Yes, because he saw that what they needed, he saw their hurt, he saw their pain, and healing came forth yes, yes. through compassion. When you guys are throwing out prayers on group me and we're praying together for an individual, it's because you have compassion. Yes. And you want to see something happen in their life. You want to see God perform a miracle in their life. You want to see God move in your life because you felt their pain. You felt their hurt. And you got moved by that. And you said, people, please pray for so-and-so because they're hurting. People, please pray for so-and-so. And then all of a sudden, you see the move of God come in and heal and deliver. And then the next thing we see on group me, I thank God for your prayers because so-and-so is healed. I thank God for your prayers because so-and-so was delivered. I thank God for your prayers because so-and-so made it. Why? Because you had compassion and there's power in compassion. If you didn't have no compassion, you wouldn't be praying for nobody. 
If you didn't have no compassion, you wouldn't be throwing out prayers on group me. If you didn't have no compassion, you wouldn't be trying to pray that somebody heal and touch and deliver somebody. But it's through that compassion that even with your enemies, even when people don't like you, you're praying for them. And you're going to see a change within their life. It's through compassion. It's through the power of compassion. You will see power and deliverance. Jesus taught you don't have to work to get it. See, the thing is, when, when he saw the large crowds as, as sheep without a shepherd, his compassion led him to teach them the things the false shepherds of Israel had abandoned. The priests and the scribes were proud and corrupt. They despised the common people. They didn't know oh, they don't have no value. Let's, 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 let's hang around the Roman Empire. Let's hang around the guys that got money. Let's hang around the guys that are important. But these common folk, let's just put them to the side. Let's not, let's not make an effort for them. They, don't, they can't do nothing for us. Amen? They didn't have compassion. Because they couldn't do nothing for them. And so there was no compassion there. You just let them be the way they are. Just let them sit where they are. Just let them do what they do. Let's not really care about them. Let's just rub shoulders with the big dogs. The priests and the scribes were proud and they were corrupt. They despised the common people and neglected them. But Jesus had compassion on them. And he taught and he loved them. And he taught them, Jesus taught, you don't have to work to get it. See, the, uh, the false prophets were teaching them, man, you got you to gotta come in, you got to work for your salvation, and you got to work, 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 and you got to do the good deeds, and you got to do that, and then you might get in, and then you might uh, have salvation. So they would get them to do things and work and do all this and do all that. And see, they learned that from, uh, from, the, uh, uh, um, from the Romans, man. They had people taking care of them and people putting their suit on for them and people wiping the towel, wiping their face for them and doing all that. And so you're doing that unto God. And if you're doing it unto God, you, you have the opportunity to get in. But Jesus was teaching something totally different. Jesus was saying, listen, you don't have to do nothing. I'm giving you salvation free. I'm giving you brand new. I'm going to pay the price for you. There's no price that you have to pay. I'm giving it to you right now. All you have to do is step in and accept it and say, yes, you are the God that set me free. Jesus said, my love did it. You don't have to run to get blessed because when I come in you, you are already blessed. See, everybody's preaching about you got to run and get your blessing. You got to go here and get your blessing. You got to get, they all talking about material stuff. Can't you realize that you're already blessed? That just because you accepted Christ in your life, that you're already blessed. That God has already blessed you. That he's already using you for his glory. We have to start thinking that we're already blessed. And then everything that we do, that God is right behind it, blessing it, because we're already what? I'm already blessed. So I ain't got to run and try to get it. I ain't got to run over here and do that and do this. I'm already blessed. And whatever God tells me to go, whatever I do, it will be blessed because Christ lives in me. Just follow it. Jesus saying, just follow it. I have laid the path and there was power in the path. I will show you how to get clean and stay clean. 
I didn't see the thing is we have to understand is like he, he's gonna show us he first he's gonna clean us and then he's gonna show us how to stay clean. See when 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 we were a child, our mama dressed us, amen. She laid out her she laid out the clothes for us, ironed them, amen. Make sure we look good. She used a little mama spit to get out the crust in our eye. Off our nose. And we were like, ugh. Amen. But she made sure we was clean. She made sure we was ready. She made sure that when we went out the door, we was all right. Amen. And that's when we step into Christ's presence. He's going to clean us up. And he's going to show us. And he's going to make sure our face is clean. And we're clean. And then not only that, as we come into his presence and begin to walk down that path, he's going to teach us how to stay clean. The mama just didn't leave you there. But he was, she was showing you how to stay clean. You iron your clothes and you're clean today because your mama showed you something. But it's up to you to stay clean. It's up to you to make that choice every day you wake up and say, I'm going to follow this. It's up to you to make the choice and decide what commandment you want to follow. Are you going to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and mind? Are you going to follow that command or are you going to follow the command of the enemy? What command will you follow when you wake up? He already showed you. He already cleaned you up. He already made you brand new. And he's showing you how to stay clean. But the question is, will you wake up and you will follow it or no? It's your choice. We have seen God's power when we have compassion and go out of our way for others through prayer and service. Wherever we go, we must see the value in life, yes, yes. in a life, and be prepared to move in compassion. Yes. We must have a mindset that every time I leave out of these doors, wherever I go, if I'm walking down the street, I have a mindset to be prepared to love and move in compassion. If we don't have that compassion in heart, God can't speak to us right. If we don't have a compassionate heart, if our heart is hard and we all proud and we have lovers of money and we're thinking about this and thinking about that, how can God speak to us to move in compassion for those that are hurting and suffering? You must always have a mindset that I'm got to be ready because I see people hurting and they're dying. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus going out of his way. Let's go to the next slide in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He needed to go through Samaria. See, the thing is, he departed again to Galilee. See, his mindset, he was going to Galilee. But he said, I need to stop in Samaria. He didn't have to, but he said, I need to. There was something in him that pulled him to Samaria of something that he must do. I want to let you know today is that when you have a compassionate heart, you might be walking down the street sometimes and there's something that's going to pull you and you're going to say, I need to speak to this person. Yes, sir. Yes. I need to say something to this individual. I need to ask this person, how are you doing? What's going on? Is everything all right in your life? There is something that's going to pull you. Why? Because you're going to have a compassionate heart, a heart to love, a heart to see people make it, a heart to see people delivered and set free. I was at work and I was just walking down the hall and I never talked to this older man. It's an older guy. And I never really talked to him. I just say hi to him. And something pulled me. I never, I said, God, I never talked to this dude. I just say hi. And something pulled me and said, ask him how is he doing? I said, man, is everything all right with you? He looked at me like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I said, I, I said, I, I said, I just felt led to come and ask you 
how you doing and everything all right. And then he began to talk, he said, he said, my daughter, he said she lost her baby on last, last, last year. And, um, and it was saying that she, you know, was gonna always have complications with her baby. And, uh, and he said, now she has, she's pregnant again. And she's fearful that she's gonna lose this one now. And the doctors are taking tests and they're doing everything. And, and we just don't know what's gonna happen. I said, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be praying for you. So I said, I said, I'm gonna pray that God will come in and deliver. And I believed it. And every time I asked him, I said, hey, well, we, we didn't get the results yet. I would ask him every day. I'm going to finish that story, but I want to continue this. I'm going to finish that story. So John chapter 4, Jesus felt a need. He felt a pull to go to Samaria. A woman in Samaria, verse 7, a woman in Samaria came to draw water. So Jesus was there, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. Now I want you to remember that. They went away to buy what? They went to buy some food. Now the Samaria lady was there. Now, I want you to understand, okay, in verse 9 it says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. What I want you to understand is that Samaria and the Jews did not mix. It was an outcast. The Jews wasn't supposed to talk to them. All right? They were supposed to have no value. The Samaritans had no value. There was no reason for Jesus to talk to them because the Samaritans were looked at as no value people. Their lives, didn't, their lives didn't mean anything. But I want you to remember that Jesus went out of his way to stop in Samaria. Are you with me? Jesus went out of his way to stop in Samaria to talk to a Samaritan woman that supposedly had no value. Are you with me so far? Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she came to the well to get some water. And Jesus said, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would say, listen, I don't want no normal drink. I want some living water. Jesus answered and said to her, well, whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. So Jesus is saying if you really knew what you was asking you are asking me for the living water because this water right here that you're drinking you're going to always thirst again. I want to let you know today is that the world is giving us water where we're always going to have to thirst again. The world is giving us stuff and commanding us and giving us orders and, and saying your life is this and your life is that, that you'll never be nothing. And it's giving you stuff to satisfy your, your flesh and satisfy the hatred and try to satisfy the anger that's in you. And it's constantly feeding you stuff and giving you drugs and giving you alcohol, trying to satisfy your flesh, trying to satisfy your desire. But that's a thirst that you will always start thirsting again and again. That's why you will stay hooked on alcohol. That's why you you will stay hooked on drugs. That's why you will stay hooked on fornication. That's why you will stay hooked on adultery. That's why you will stay hooked on pornography. Why? Because that is the water that you will keep thirsting over and over again. You will always stay thirsty. Because that's not the living water. In the world, and God is saying, I'm going to give you something that you'll never have to thirst for that mess again. I'm going to give you something that will quench your thirst entirely. 
I want to give you something where you never have to run to the well no more. Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up and into everlasting life. Jesus said, I want to give you something that's everlasting, that is inside of you, that no matter where you go, no matter where you go, and no matter where you're coming from, that is inside of you and it will spring up a life inside of you. I'll give you something that will always be there. I'll give you something that you can tap into when you're lonely. I will give something that you can tap into you when you feel like you have no joy. I will give you something that you can tap into when you have no peace. That you don't have to run to the well, but I'm planting it deep down inside of you. I'm planting a, a spring, a flow, a river. That's why you are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. Because he's there inside of you. And you can tap into the source of joy and power in your life. And everybody needs a living water. Everybody needs a source to tap into. Because the stuff in the world is killing us. Hatred is killing us. Then she said, I want this water. In verse 17, Jesus also told her what she has been condemned for. And that she doesn't have to live that way anymore. See, Jesus knew that she was, Jesus said, where's your husband at? And she was like, uh, I don't have a husband. She said, yeah, what you're speaking is true. But you've been with five men and the one you're with is not your husband. And she was shocked. And so now you can see that she was a person. See, I want you to understand something. When a woman goes to the well, that was a social time to go and talk, right? They didn't go alone. They all went as a group and they socialized at the well. That was the times back then. That's what they did. They socialized at the well. But this woman went alone because she was condemned for her sins and the things that she was doing. And nobody wanted to be around her. No, she didn't have any value. Not only did she have any value to the Jews, but she didn't even have value in her own city because of the things that she was doing. And so she went to the well alone by herself because she had no worth and had no value. So what Jesus was showing you that I know what you're going through. I know the things that your, your focus is on and you're thirsty for some love and you're thirsty for something. And I'm going to give you something where you don't have to tap into every man, but I'm going to place, place it inside of your life that no man can fulfill. I'm going to put something in you that no man can handle. I'm going to put a love in you that is bringing forth life inside of you, knowing who you are. Knowing your worth, knowing that you have value in your life that no man can give you. Sometimes the Lord will show you what people are going through so you can see it. When I walked past in my hallway and my job, I felt something, something pulled me. I saw something was wrong. God showed me something was wrong with that individual. Jesus explained in verse 23 to her that this is spiritual for wherever you are, you can truly worship me for I will be a spring flowing river in your life. I am looking for those who want true change. I am looking for those who want to be saved. I am looking for, and when she realized that it took the change, she said, I'm going to tell the whole city about you. I'm going to tell everybody I come across about you. And Jesus stayed two more days in that city. And more believers came and they were saved and they were set free. Why? Because he saw somebody who thought they had no value with the Jews over their city. But Jesus saw the value in her. And she said, there is something powerful in you. I can place it 
in your life and you have value because I see it in your life. Now go tell the world that God is here, that Jesus is here, and he wants to rescue you, and he wants to save you from your sins, that you don't have to live a life in this world anymore. And he showed her. And she told the world. Saints, we're getting ready to go out on Maple Street. And there are people that want true change. There are people that want a difference in their life. There are people that's dying for change. But all they're seeing is the false teachers. All they're seeing is people with the holiness on the outside. With the godliness. But they're denying the power there is. And so therefore they cannot truly change. But I'm going to go out on the street with not only the power of, of, of godliness, but with, with the power of godliness on the outside and the inside. I don't want to just show them things on the outside, but I want to show them that they can have this thing birthed in the inside. That they can have the living water in the inside. Saints, if we find one family on that block that says, I want to follow Christ, I believe we can make a difference. If we find one family, if we go out there on July 3rd and one family says, I'm coming and I want to change, that whole block can change. But can we get one family that says, I'm looking for true change. We don't know who's hurting on that street. We don't know who's looking for true change on that street. But I promise you there's somebody out there that's looking for a difference in their life. Jesus went out of his way. If he didn't go out of his way, that city would be dead. If Jesus didn't go out of his way and stop in Samaria, then that city would have been gone. And let's look at the last slide of today. Going out of our way will fulfill us in ways we don't even know. The disciples came back with food. He said, in the meantime, when the disciples came back, they urged them, they said, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat. Of which you don't know. Therefore the disciples said to one another. Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them. My food is to do the will of God. Of him who sent me. And to finish his work. I tell you today. If we give this 110%. And we go out there with all of our heart. And loving God with all of our soul. There's going to be a fulfillment in your life. That you won't even understand and know. There's going to be a fulfillment that fills you that people won't even understand. Why are you doing this? Why are you sacrificing? Why are you giving yourself? You're going to be finding yourself fulfilled where you're not even going to want food to eat. It's going to take away the hunger in you because you've been fulfilled by the Spirit of God. Because the Lord asked me to go out of my way and talk to a stranger that I really didn't talk to on my job. He came to me two days ago while I was at work on Friday. He said, thank you for your prayers. Yeah. He said, everything's okay with my daughter and my baby. When we go out of our way for compassion and love, to see the suffering on others, there was power in that. You must see the power in compassion and allow yourself to be fulfilled. We won't even need food. Let us stand.